Gonna have a real good time together We're gonna have a real good time together We're gonna laugh the child together Have a real good time together Strange times in Joker Man Town. It's Joker Man. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. Are you? Do, do you have like a cold or something? Oh yes, I do. Mm. Uh, I had and uh, continue to have a a sound bad cold. One of those. Yeah. One of those sound bad colds that the podcasters get. Does damage to your golden instrument. You should have heard me this morning. It was awful. What were you like hacking and? No, I mean it just. Uh, well, yes, just but it voice. sounded like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I Frankenstein. I sounded like Strong Bad, right? <laughs> but I know it's not COVID, so we're chilling, right? I I would hope it's not COVID because you just had it a month ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the unluckiest boy in the world. Well, just as long as you're in good shape to uh, hop over to Vegas in five days <laughs> with me. <laughs> I oh, I am. All right. I don't know what we're gonna do there, but I'm ready. Uh, Drink and eat and gamble and shoot guns. Oh, we're shooting guns? Hell yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it now. Podcaster uh, passes away in gun accident. Yeah, gun-related accident leading to the shocking uh, sudden conclusion of Jokerman and NeverEnding Stories. <laughs> this is so you can have all the Patreon money. It's like a sort of Columbo-esque <laughs> scheme. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, speaking of page, uh, Patreon uh, and NeverEnding Stories, uh, the NeverEnding Stories Patreon is up. Hooray. Uh, we're going to be plugging this. Uh, we need to plug this, actually, because we do a terrible job of plugging the normal Patreon on our own show. We, but we just, by just not doing it ever? By not doing yeah. it, yeah. Uh, but we are going to be getting that off the ground, and we are going to be lifting uh, with uh, some some plugs regularly. So get prepared to hear about it. But folks, go go subscribe to NeverEnding Stories. It's going to be going live about a week after. Uh, uh, after you hear this, the first episodes will be going live. The Patreon itself is already up. There's some great bootlegs that you can download, and uh, we can't wait to get started. Uh, but what are we here to do today? It's 2023 in Jokerman land, and it's time to go back, time to return to our bread and butter. Uh, it's been a while, but we are back to the land of Lou and John. Uh, and I'm I'm very excited to do it. I feel like uh, uh, absence has made the heart grow fonder. You know, I, it's like we were just like grinding through it there for a couple of months, and you know, it just felt like every episode was a great new record. But it was like going so fast; it was all coming so fast that like we could barely get uh, get a moment to appreciate it. Uh, but now we've spent a little time away, moving into the '80s, and 
boy, boy, howdy, do we have some interesting stuff to talk boy, about? Boy, is it how is it interesting <laughs> to see how these two guys, <laughs> these two artists, uh, uh, what they did at the beginning of the 1980s. It's very interesting to see. Yes, it's very different records. Very different records. 80 and 81, respectively. That's right. We're going to be doing Oniswa today first. I think this will probably be the free episode. Um, and then uh, and then we'll do the uh, the Lou record on, on Patreon. But uh, Growing up in public. Growing up in public, exactly. So it's slightly out of sequence years-wise because Growing Up in Public came out a year before Oniswa. But this is the next John record after Sabotage. Man. <laughs> Well, it's the it's the next proper studio John record since. Oh yeah, the first one of those since. I mean, really, I guess since Slow Dazzle, because like Helen of Troy barely even counts as a proper studio record, you know. Yeah, and if you haven't followed uh, why that is, it would be because that record was kind of a rush job compilation of uh, you know some unfinished ideas making their way. It just was a compromised statement it wasn't yes. a statement it was just a record it wasn't even something john himself got to uh put together the way that he wanted to at least on the other hand you have this something like this which is has john's fingerprints all over it oh boy <laughs> just john's <laughs> liquid john's oils john's fibers this is john all the way down it's a very pungent it's got a very strong musk of, of John. You just you, you, yeah. you slip the disc out of the sleeve and it just whew, it smells Woo. like whales. I've got it right here. Oh boy, I've got it up in the uh, front room. It's a great cover. It's I love a, the it's look an of ugly it. Cover. I think it's awesome. Well, you know <laughs> the thing about it, Ian, is that this cover was originally to be in black and white. I do know about this. Uh, Mr. Andy Warhol designed right. the cover, which is a picture. <laughs> picture of john kale's passport yeah um like a weird like photo collage yes. of the passport mr john kale looks like mr john kale <laughs> very silly looking i love the i love like the mugshot looking thing that he's got That's right his there passport in the, photo. i know he just he looks like he's in a lineup yeah uh but there's all these like just weird color choices on it in these kind of just odd triangular shapes uh and that was John's John John's choice. Some, he added some color for it. Added pop. a little color. It might have been pretty drab if it was black and white. Um, and it looks, I mean, the whole thing looks weird because it looks like an early photocopy technique or something. Um, right. And, you know, Andy Warhol was kind of into just trying new technologies all the time. But, uh, yeah, it's like blue and the ma- most of it is like a fleshy pink pinky orangey sort of thing like yeah. yellow and and sort of some bright yellow yeah. like random like primary colors blue. yeah after a fashion like weird weird versions and on the back colors. you've got this magenta type thing it looks sort of like you have those lightly colored plastic tiles and then you're like you mm-hmm. know put, putting them over each other right uh so it's, it's an odd cover the crest here it's... is a unicorn and a lion is that, I mean, I'm guessing that's from that's, that's the, England, yes. right? Yeah. I assume that there's a Do it Mondroit. Do, do it on Monday. You know, that's a joke that uh, Harry Nelson made with that record. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know what the original means. We're not, I don't know what Oniswa means other than it was the name of a newspaper. Is that I right? I think it means honor of some sort. Um, newspaper. 
French paper. Oh, no. It's uh, Onisois Kemal e Pince. Uh, it's some sort of French thing that means huh? shamed, shamed be whoever thinks bad of it. Or shame be to him who thinks evil of it. I thought it was a newspaper. I guess it might. It looks like it is a newspaper, yes, also. But that's just there it that's is. where the newspaper gets its title from. Only, it, it's like a democracy dies in darkness. One of these like overdramatic things that the the press likes to use to, uh, you know, Charlie Hebdo, we are all. I guess we <laughs> uh, um, just we... Je suis Jean, Jean Kale. Je suis Kale. Mr. Kale. Rest in peace uh, I to love, the, uh, everybody who's killed. Right, yeah. <laughs> I love the uh, the the way Oniswaz is written on the cover, just like there on the right with that kind of very basic kind of... Vertical uh, text. We like that. Yeah. We see that on a... On, on perverted by language, vertical. Uh, oh, that's true. We do. Uh, I wonder, did that text? Do we think and that like that's actually Andy's handwriting or John's? I think it might be John's. I, it looks very similar to the handwriting on uh, "Music for a New Society." Yeah, which I believe is John's, but it, yeah, it must be John's, right? I guess so. You know, it's that, a little more stylized on New Society, he, but yeah, he's definitely got some very, similar strokes. Yeah, sort of like calligraphic, calligraphy-like, like sort of looks like a Japanese calligraphy. Yeah, something like that, but also like kind of brutal and like like um, uh, uh, not very not, not very precise, kind of like almost childlike in in a sense that the H with the big line through it from the left to the right side. Yeah, it's great. Well. That's the cover. We got that out of the way. Got that out of the way. Now we got to talk about the music and all the times he says the N-word. Well, there's one song <laughs> where he says it several times, but we're going to get into that and why in the context of it as much as we can figure that out. Um, this record came out in 1980. One. One. And uh, do you know anything about the background of it? I, I don't even know. Much. Uh, I I I think that he was just kind of like doing his thing, you know. Uh, and <laughs> I believe <laughs> it was recorded in New York. Um, you know, this was following the whole sabotage, like you know, psycho sicko mode um, type of thing. Uh, and I think he like kind of reached the end of that time period uh, or or phase. Um, and didn't really know where to go at that point. And I think this is kind of just... Where he went. Like a, where he went. And it's just like a collection of songs, basically. It's a record. And that's kind of what I... That's what I... Honestly, what I love about yeah. it. It's just like... It's just another it John Kill really, record. It's another John Kill record, exactly. It's not like significant of something greater. It isn't like the first one in a new artistic direction or the last one in an artistic direction. Uh, it's just, you know... The it's next a John of, Kill album. That's right. Yeah, well, that's kind of what we loved so much about uh, Slow Dazzle too, and and honestly, it's what I like about a lot of his records. It seems like he's not someone who sets himself up for these grand trilogies or anything like that. He kind of just is happy to put out an album, and right. this one is an album, and I think it has unique qualities, and sort of like its own territory. 
Uh, Definitely, yeah. It doesn't sound like anything that has come before in in his discography, and it doesn't really, really sound, sound like anything since quite. Yeah, there. I mean, there are some sure. hints. I, th- I see a little bit of this in like artificial intelligence. There's okay. And... There's a lot that sounds kind of like stuff later, but and yeah. stuff before. But uh, <laughs> but there are things about it that I I think it has this rough, uh, shod sort of scrappy uh, seat of its pants quality. That I think is great. I just yeah. I think the record has a kind of, uh, as the Italians say, a sense of sprezzatura. What, Have you heard that? Sprezzatura. I haven't heard that one. It, it's sort of the effortless style. The, 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 oh, look at him and his slightly unbuttoned shirt yeah. and the cuffs sure. that are just kind of open in the wind. He seems to be so put together, and yet it is an effortless uh, expression of style. Mm. I think you're totally right about that. John always, or not always, but often, uh, inhabits the effortless expression of style, and Oniswa is maybe the perfect, uh, one of the perfect examples of that. That's... Uh, there are also just some great songs on this record, you know? Like, this is a, a record that has great rock songs on it. That's There's right. There's no other way to say it. It's so true. I'm going to grab a beer really quick. Uh, you're not okay. drinking beers anymore for this one. I'm not. No, I'm on dry January, so I apologize in advance if I get really shitty at this. Why, Ian? You know, I'm just trying to trying to prove to myself that I can actually still do this. <laughs> well, to talk briefly about, you know, this is the first day of the new year that we're recording. That's right. This is 2023. Whole new world. And the fourth consecutive year of Jokerman Podcast. I can't believe that. <laughs> Uh, we've only been doing it for two and a half at this point, okay, but, okay. you know, we started in 2020, well, and then 21, 22, and now we're into 23, so. Yeah, well, I don't know, we could talk about um, our resolutions, but I, I guess mine don't include uh, not drinking a beer right now, so I'll be right That's back. That's fair. Let's go for it. <laughs> oh, listen to that. I'm already salivating. I opened it with a lighter. Did you see that? That was pretty cool. I've never really been able to get that down. You know what the secret is, Ian? What's the secret? Pretend you're good at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> as long as you do that and it comes off, then it works out. But I, I'm, I'm usually able to pretend, and then it just doesn't actually happen. No, no, no. You haven't pretended hard enough. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Dead or Alive is the first song. Great. So what a great song.
just out of the gates, man. We are we are off and running. Th- that horn. Is just Get out of here with that. I mean, yeah, uh, it's my favorite. It's it's in my top five favorite KL songs. Easy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you on that. It's I mean it's this is just a it's a great rock song. And just the way he comes in with his fucking voice. Sooner or later, she said uh, she'd be my friend. <laughs> so great. The drumming is so great. Something about the combination of it's like new wavy punky drumming, but then there's that fucking coronet. Mm-hmm. And it's all so tight. Uh. Yeah. Uh, like, if, if you had a whole record that sounded like Dead or Alive, I think oh. that would that would be, like, a huge, like, honestly, like, crossover. Yeah, it would have been, like, pop hit. the Cars or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and there, I mean, this is, there are other moments on this record that sound a little bit like this, uh, but this is kind of its own its own single song on this record. It was the single off the record also and failed to chart, unfortunately. But well, of course, um, I mean, they yeah. didn't. It's just, yeah, there was nothing to support it as that in a way. Yeah, it was not. Uh, there, there wasn't more of this in the chamber necessarily. But it's, uh, <laughs> man, it just rocks. <laughs> the solo, yeah. <laughs> There's like four different songs in here. There's this like incredible soaring guitar that almost sounds like something off heroes you got the clarinet you got john's delivery cornet. that cornet it's, cornet it's like a trumpet okay it's like a um, snu- i think it's like a smaller trumpet hmm. just says trumpet on the credits whatever on the, uh, then i get personnel. somebody corrected me pedantically that it was actually a cornet so maybe they're wrong but the drumming, Whatever. that like, yeah, I love what the kick drum does there. Just to, like, I, I honestly feel like this is kind of how I. Tss, tss, the, everything about tss, the way he's drumming here is kind of like what I do when I'm drumming. Uh, this is beautiful stuff, what, or what I try to do, you know. Yeah, that's that would be Robert Medici uh, on the drums here. It's it's very like creative, but it's also sec. It's sort of sexy and. Uh, muscular but not like flowery i'm seeing now that in the personnel section the musicians are all listed with like a military role uh john is listed as the flight surgeon uh jim goodwin is the gunner uh sturgis nikides is hellcat and robert medici is navigator man that's cool. Yeah, the back of the record. Look at the colors on that. That's it's, great. That's cool. I mean, I actually am kind of, I do like the colors move. I think the colors make sense. With- I think the colors make sense, too, because the record feels colorful. Yeah. And this, yeah, Dead or Alive in particular, like, feels like that, like purple and flesh and bright blue. So the lyrics to Dead or Alive, I love, too, a lot. I just love that the song sounds like this. You know, it's a triumphant song that feels uh, almost there's a Beatles-esque quality to that trumpet. Uh, mm-hmm. But basically, it's a it seems to be about a relationship <laughs> that is kind of like very odd and involves <laughs> the woman kind of uh, drifting away into a world of uh degradation and 
and uh, exploitation. I wonder if John's writing from any experience here. Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, in, in a way, it's kind of that classic genre that uh, you would put like a Rolling Stone in. Or, right. um, or perhaps uh, Sally Can't Dance. Yeah. These songs that are, you know, more at in some light, they are, you know, deeply misogynistic. And in others, they're kind of. I think the generous reading of those songs, maybe not Sally Can't Dance. I'm not going to yeah. get that one. But, you know, th- this song and something like Like a Rolling Stone, it's. It's kind of like this complicated feeling of I told you so, but also like, come on. And like, I can't believe this happened. And like, you hurt me. There's a lot going on there with uh, whatever this relationship is. And it seems that she might have died. <laughs> and it's all dead or alive. A recollection. It's, some great lines. Yeah, oh, some terrific lines. Uh, Happy to see her in the back of a magazine, lying there nude, sporting, sporting that, that stupid, stupid grin. grin. So get on with it, straight on and porno bound, but leave, leave me, me out of it. it. I'm not proud. I'm not proud. This is a song about a guy whose girlfriend has an OnlyFans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Happy to see her in the, the back of a limousine, laughing and crying at everything she'd seen. Well, enough of that. She should have known better anyway. When I told her what I'd seen, she was so ashamed. The, the, and what I love about this is like how kind of like propulsive and anthemic the music is and how these lyrics are like not, <laughs> is not is completely at odds with it. Like kind of upsetting personal <laughs> relationship stuff that you'd probably want to repress right away after it happens. It's so good. Oh. <laughs> you dead or alive she said it's a great fucking song it's a great song absolutely they found her (laughs) he's killing it it's so exciting too because like it's like we're in the 80s now and just like right away you can tell like something's different here i'm like this Mm -hmm. is like i think we're really into the sweet spot now on lou and john like all of the 70s shit so much great stuff but honestly that was just like that was, was the warm up. That was yeah. the prologue. Like we're, really? we're where we have wanted to be getting to finally at last. 
and Dead or Alive. I, I can't think of a better song to start this whole era off with than this one. Me neither. It, it's um, a triumph. It has everything I want from a John Cale song, uh, everything that we loved about something like Leaving It Up To You, but it also has everything we loved about a song like... Uh, uh, like I don't know what what's an uh, like gun. You know it has this kind of like ecstatic quality, right? And this one is just a, truly a a soaring pop banger. And again, you know I think more and more I'm coming to think the thing I really appreciate about what John, what Lou, what Bob, what all these guys do is that they're able to do that to lyrics that and it's it's lyrics where it's not just you know oh there's dark lyrics but it's a happy song like that's cool it's more like it's more specific than that it's it doesn't seem to be that they were trying for that kind of garish uh juxtaposition as a gimmick it's just this other thing of being a serious artist recognizing that rock music is perfectly suited to accompany any kind of thing that you might write about in an adult-oriented novel. Mm. It's not limited to being a gimmick that your song has a happy sound and and sad or violent lyrics, which I think that a lot of people get... It's a very, honestly, just kind of a... It's It's a weak or or kind of like beginners like rookie mistake to think that that's what you should do and that's you know the rest of the record is clearly john exploring and later we'll talk about lou just kind of taking rock music as a tool and running with it and not thinking about how it relates you know it's just the water that they're they're swimming in yeah, Lou Lou has a very like is pursuing the same kind of uh, idea I think, uh, but has a very different approach to it than John does. What's interesting though is that his record, growing up in public, is dead or alive is as close to that as anything John does. There, there's some they're pretty close there in some way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Dead, Dead or Alive is way, way catchier and just more fun than anything on Growing Up in Public, just from a musical standpoint, I think. I guess so. Um, Maybe. Uh, you know, just, it's it's way more of a toe-tapper. Uh, I mean, we'll lyrically, get, you know, like, like the fact that right, it right, seems right. to be about, like, a specific relationship, and it's pretty clear for John, even. Right, no, 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 that's what I'm saying, is they're, they're doing that, kind of the same thing, but musically, they're going about it very differently. In very different uh, ways, but we'll get we'll get to Lou we'll get to Lou shortly on uh, the next episode. Let's uh, let's keep going here. Let's go to Casablanca. Strange times in Casablanca. <laughs> Those fucking <laughs> what is synths? that fucking sound? I don't know. Enough for us to look at each other and 
It's just some kind of crazy it, synth thing that he just. It sounds like a noise that you would get like when you like uh, uh, you have like a power down in a video game or something. Yeah. Like when you hit the spikes and like you lose your overshield or something. Like that. That's the noise. But it's it's really like you're making. It's bigger than that. It's like, you know, Per Ubu. I think uh, uh, David Thomas referred to like using synths as texture on songs as the as weather that they thought of it as like having weather a lot of early mm. peru all over peru's discography but especially early you can, there's things like this happening where it's kind of like a song and then there'd be this sort of uh rain of synth behind it or on top and uh this song is kind of dominated by that it's like a storm is going on it kind of gives that impression. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a little more atmospheric. Um, still, like, relatively catchy as far as John mm-hmm. shit goes. Um, it's It's got that angular post-punk kind of sound to it also on the guitars again. We should never... We sh- that word is banished. Angular. Right. Um, <laughs> it's got the sharp yeah. uh, <laughs> guitar sound. Um don't really know what the hell is going on here in terms of a lyric. No, no, I was trying. I, I, I think this is, John has a great sort of uh, uh, legacy, I think, uh, of like these like place name songs that just sort of conjure a general kind of like mental image or like vibe in general. And that's basically all that's going on, I think, as far as I'm concerned, like Strange Times in Casablanca. Uh, half past France, obviously. Antarctica starts here. Crazy Egypt, like all of these songs don't necessarily have anything to do with those specific locations. Crazy uh, Antarctica Egypt. starts here, maybe a little bit more, but yeah, crazy. There you go it, again, Walk, like, Mister Walking on Locusts over here. I can't, you know, I can't wait till we get there. But I mean, just you know, I think that that's sort of a thing that he does, and this is just one of those songs that's like that, where he just mentions a place and. It's just a place to well, conjure whatever comes along with Casablanca. Casablanca is a very loaded place. You know? Term, yeah. It sort of is the uh, the eternal nether realm, the, the sort of uh, the liminal space, to use the, the old chestnut. Mm. You know, it's, it's about that place uh, in the film. You know, it's kind of like a limbo. Right. So everything that takes place in this song is kind of, you can take with a grain of salt as sort of hellish nether realm. At a certain point, the synth whooshing becomes kind of overwhelming. Yeah, they're just like banging that button like again and again. It's kind of frightening, actually. (laughs) It sort of feels like something's like wrong, like something's like you got to turn it off. Almost sounds like, uh, you know, some strange times are happening. Yeah, um, there's some good lines in this too, which actually remind me. I I am reminded of the sort of strain of songwriting that you see on like uh, leaving it up to you, Spen- mm. like like maggots and despair is right. kind of like like rattlesnakes in the sun or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also says uh, it comes expectant as a widow in heat, as a widow in <laughs> searing heat. <laughs> and the contentment of depression that delivers most of the time, but cannot help the styling of the horns in the shape of the gargoyle. <laughs> Broken prince, savage fingers, undertaken catamaran. 
What the fuck? He's just having a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's like death grips at the end. It's just like, okay, we're just yeah, like yeah, you, you know, you get the feeling. Well, that song, Strange Times in Casablanca, maybe a little hard to uh, parse what exactly is going on. Can't say the same thing about the next song. Fighter pilot. Jesus. Fighter pilot. <laughs> it's so okay, good. Okay, so this is, uh, you know what this is, right? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is Ski Patrol this is mode. The sequel to Ski yeah. Patrol. Fight a pilot. Fight the pilot. Fight the pilot. It's Ski Patrol's spin-off television series <laughs> called Fighter Pilot. Fighter Pilot. Um, oh my god. This song is crazy. I was, it's about Tom Cruise. Uh they, that's I mean it's not, but it I Tom, Top Gun is about this song. It's it's the other way around. This song is infectious. Uh I don't know what what how else to put it. Just that that guitar is on fire. And the backing vocals are just... Oh, it's children. Uh, we got a children's choir. Just like is they that, killed him. Is that children or is that... I think it might just be... I don't know. They sound like kids. Uh, Maybe yeah, they no, are just young women. but It's women, yeah. They, they're members of the Modettes, which was an all-English... Excuse me, an English all-woman post-punk band. Okay, well, they sound like young women. Uh, they probably were pretty young. Um only one record put out to the story so far, 1991. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> you're a hero now, but you're a terrible man. Fighter pilot. <laughs> Fighter pilot, tell me about your life and are the children well? Fighter pilot, what do you do with yourself at night? When will you ever learn? Yeah. Fighter pilot, you're losing the war again. It's very like mocking and weird. Business. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's he's inhabiting some of the same uh, mental space that he was on sabotage. Sabotage, I exactly. Think. It feels yeah. like a holdover from sabotage. Totally, but at the same time, where sabotage was a really kind of loud and hard and aggressive and just like brawny kind of sound, like this is pretty brawny. like I don't smooth. Think we've ever said that word on the podcast. It's a good one. Well, I can't say angular, so I'm going. I'm going for other words here. I like brawny. This is a really smooth and sleek and sexy kind of sound. I think, um, but it's pretty rough edged too. You know, it's edgy. I mean, it's, it's 
It's edgy, yeah, but it's it's there's it, there's a sheen to it. It's a little glossier than than yeah. we were uh, than we were getting from him in seventy eight, seventy nine with Animal Justice and then the sabotage shit. I I think it's just interesting, very cinematic. All the songs have been really cinematic so far, and I think that they all are actually, basically, mm-hmm. very much so. And they like all in their own kind of way. I think it's like a series mm-hmm. of short films or something. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it's just interesting to remark or to to look at, you know, now sort of charting John's career. He's been doing solo stuff for a decade at this point, starting with with violence, and then obviously Paris, and then moving into the Island Records, and then moving away from that sound, you know, going sicko mode towards the end of the seventies. Now he's like, he's kind of regressing back to to the middle once again, wanting to make just kind of pretty poppy fun music that does still have wow look at that he looks great it's a uh what's his what kind of face is he making there it's sort of just a regular face you know normal okay a normal looking face uh it's just it's it's really rewarding i think oni is a great record it's very much a put it on type of record but it's doubly more uh rewarding when you hear it immediately after sabotage and immediately before something like music for new society. Cause it's um, so different from both of those. Uh, it's really exciting. Fight to pilot. Uh, all right. We got to do Wilson Juliet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wilson Juliet. I would just like to, to lodge up front that this song is a banger and like, is maybe like one of my favorite songs. <laughs> just it's very cool. It's so good. And talk about atmospheric. Like this one really is huge just from a music standpoint. And then when you bring in when you bring in the words and John's yeah. delivery on them. <laughs> gotta you gotta laugh folks um i don't know <laughs> i don't know how else you want to quote you want to quote some lyrics from this <clears throat> i'll quote some 
She was so afraid of everything she said, since her mother told her why once upon a time there was no rhyme, before the clock slammed another door. Of the weary hours we were facing, a second-hand Shylock, Shylocked mm. in, in on us. <laughs> and Shylock is sort of... Um, what like what would be the way to say that about a black person, <laughs> and then think about the worst one for, of that? Yeah. yeah, and then he says that later. But I will point out that it seems he's talking about his companion, he and his uh, friend, who happens to have that moniker right. that they escaped imprisonment. <laughs> that seems to be the narrative. Uh, me and N-Word marched, blasted our way out of there. Uh, so-and-so. He screams the N-Word several times. <laughs> several the times the by the end of it. You can't get around it. Senses, because the senses smell minutes in is about when he starts saying it <laughs> me and n-word blasted our way out of here just like yesterday <laughs> yesterday's streets were burnt down into shells mothers weep while children sleep like ancestors in the ground the misery of nuns lie together like sons who do not have the taste for battle who are shuffled like a pack of cards in the dead of night what a great ly- lyric very good. Oh, his screaming on this, too. Yeah, towards the end. I mean, uh, I think he, you know, whatever. He should, she shouldn't say the N-word. It's easy enough to get past that. Um, it's still just an amazing kind of delivery and investment on this song. So and, somebody's going to go, the, oh, easy enough to get past that? Is that what you just said, Ian? <laughs> No, it's, We're it's holding a, John Cale accountable. What we him. are is just recognizing it's like a crazy song, and I don't know It's a why. banger. I kind of would like to ask him what he's talking about. I, yeah, I don't know what's it's going on. It's clearly a like, character. Like, he's through... He's inhabiting a character, absolutely. But I don't, I don't know, like, if... I just... I don't know why. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, like, the way he does it, though, is, like, not chill. Like, <laughs> I know. He well, he like really. It's just how, he really he's gets into it at the time. You know, it sounds like he's biting like a guy's leg off. Like he sounds like a fucking junkyard dog. Just imagine being the fucking like production engineer on this, and John, John shows up and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna you know lay down some vocal tracks today. I got got a couple fun ones for you." And he just goes into the studio uh, and starts howling this into the mic. Yeah, I I don't know. I also don't know what the title refers to. Yeah, I get. I don't know. I mean, I think this is also referred to or or like taking place in sabotage world. You know, talking about kind of murder and war and shit like that. Um, he he references Joliet, Illinois. Yeah, I would I would doubt that he's referencing Illinois. Uh, he references Bataan, which is a city in the Philippines, I believe. The Death March. Is that right? uh, yeah, and there's the Baton Death March, exactly. Uh, so, you know, site of some uh, some brutal uh, uh, shit that went down. Jesus. Uh, 
who knows well, exactly. Well, I think we can say that this is a better use if you're going to uh, talk about that than, than uh, Patti Smith's uh, song. Because right. this seems to be like a narrative. <laughs> you know, like this, I, I don't, I mean, I think if we're being like realistic here, it's like this is clearly part of a story that he's telling that involves that. Uh, it's right. not like he's, he's not using it as a kind of like, uh, he's just not, it's not really the same. It's like, I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? He's using it in the context of some kind of narrative. Artistically. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, uh, it just, it was a different, things were different back then. No, <laughs> X, they, I mean, uh, he, Los Angeles. He's just, uh, uh, he was different back then. <laughs> he was different. That's right. But I mean, I mean, it was just, it didn't have the, you know, same kind of like uh, mystique surrounding it. I think Los Angeles, the, the, the song. Yeah, or you know the 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 uh, just like bone deep taboo, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, a lot of songs just you know, for better or for worse. Obviously, it's not happening today, but it's just uh, you know, it was what it was. Los Angeles by X, great song. Uh, Wait, also, N-word in there? that word. Also, yeah. uh, I didn't realize that. What, what Every N word and Jew. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they should have said kike. Um, <laughs> You know, to balance the playing field. Right. Uh, and what else says that? Oh, um, Oliver's Army. It's another one that's a, a great banger you cannot play. <laughs> uh, didn't you say? No, you said it I was. Just, yeah, um, it was somebody played uh, uh, all of Rednecks. At the Rednecks, bar, that's know? right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's fucking. It's just so loud. You could hear every, uh, every consonant. It does. It does seem like you know when the, when that word is is used in these songs, it does. It is you. It, it doesn't just like get slipped in there casually in the background. It's like it's really delivered with some bite. Whether it's this song or Rednecks or <laughs> Los Angeles or any other song, uh, but song rocks. No toys about it. Streets of Laredo. Ian thinks the song with the N word rocks. Uh, Streets of Laredo. <laughs> Oh, oh, this is great. Well, is you so know, good. this is a classic song. This is like uh-huh. a, a sort of old, old standard. Streets this, is of his, this is the Heartbreak Hotel of Oniswap. Uh He did this live a lot, too. And there's versions of it where it's kind of like this. There's versions where it's like the thing he'd do where he's he's just standing there like, As I was out walking. Right. <laughs> Streets of Laredo, and like then just like running his arm onto like a, a distorted guitar. Uh, I love it. I I think the song is is really brought to a a vivid light. Uh, it, he he does something to bring it to life with his uh, delivery. Absolutely, a song that's all about death. He 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 brings to life. Oh, 
Yeah, anytime John is covering songs, you know, you can rest assured that he's going to kill it because he's able to seemingly, regardless of what song it is, we see this on fucking Hallelujah, for instance, just like get to the core, like inner essence of the song that might not have even been there, you know, on the surface when it was originally recorded and bring it out through... A, the music, this song sounds insane, especially when you think of it as like a, you know, country western classic, because it sounds like it's taking place on like fucking, what's the plan in Dune? Arrakis or something? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it sounds like a like a space western. It's, um, it's very airy. There's just like all this empty negative space. Yeah. And yeah, this it has and it's like this, unsettling. It, There's like yeah. a weird, like kind of like clanking on like a fucking like tin can or something in the background. In addition to the drums, it's just like it gets up over your shoulders, man. Yeah, this song, uh, the way it's executed, is very like just kind of um, punctuated. It's it's heavily uh, it's it's percussive. Like everything about it is percussive. Yeah, very dramatic. And there's like this weird Egyptian sounding thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It goes into like some strange territory. And I think it's a cool move to use a song that is so established in uh, the sort of historical record to, uh, you know, understand that that's an anchor from which you can afford to try a lot of new things that this is a sturdy enough song to withstand whatever you're going to throw at it as far right. as the arrangement. And he tests that to the limit here. That might actually just be the viola, I think. Cause that's the, I'm looking at the credits right now. That's the only sort of stringed instrument that really shows up there besides obviously guitar and bass. And that's not what that is. So as cold as the clay. John's bringing his cl- the classic John Cale viola back uh, on Streets of Laredo. He tried to get Nico to do this song on uh, one of those earlier records, and there's that great quote where she said, "Like uh, I don't Under do cowboy, cowboy songs. songs." Yeah, <laughs> this this is sort of like uh, a revisionist western song. That's right. I really like when he does it later too. Um, live, you know, there are some versions. Um, there's a piano version. As when I went out walking the streets mm. of Laredo. Have you heard that one? I don't know that I have. Is it on Fragments? Rock Palast, I think. Okay. Yeah, I haven't uh, listened to Rock Palast. See, there's that version, and then there's the one that's even more skeletal and avant-garde than this. But the other one is really great. It's like um, just a, a simple piano rendition. It's my favorite of his versions of it. Um he clearly understands and loves the song. And it fits right in with the types of songs that he has written in the past and will go on to write into the future. I mean, this is right, this stands right alongside Buffalo Ballet. Oh, yeah. You know, as yeah. just like I the saw same a young cowboy of... dressed in white linen, dressed in white linen as cold as the clay. You've got to yeah. listen to his version of, on the piano because it's, really, it's really like. Well, we're going to be getting there pretty soon. Isn't Rock Palace like 84, I, I think? I guess so, yeah. It's coming coming up soon. Well, 
This song is in the mix. Streets of Laredo. Of the round. John just do. has a second second nature, preternatural ability to just pick the perfect songs to cover, to cover. on these yeah. records. Yeah. Oni Oni swap. Swap. Something in French. <laughs> Fucking the, the the same tootling horns that he used on a couple records. Yeah, they're back again here at the beginning. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like comical, and that is, gets kind of funky. Uh, yeah, and then it just bursts open, and yeah, it's this like kind of like strut stomp, like almost kind of glamish. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Sound. Like, what is he doing here? It's, I mean, I, and let me clarify, I mean that in a positive, in the best positive, you know, most positive way that you can. Just going from Wilson, uh, excuse me, Wilson Juliet to Streets of Laredo to Oni Swab, the way that these three songs sound one into the other into the other is, he's all over the place on this record. And that's what we love about him, folks. This one's ostensibly, it's like an instrumental. It's kind of just the one phrase, right? I think there's a little more that's Maybe. being said. There's no lyrics for it on the, uh. Insert. Oh, are, are there not? I don't think so. Yeah, there are a, no. a bunch of lyrics here, but obviously it's all French, and I don't know what any of this shit means. This um, horn? Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. This record uh, is just kind of like dirty. This is like a I, dirty record. He's just having fun, and that's what I love about it. Like, just you can put any of these songs on. Mostly, it's a put it on <laughs> record like, if you're feeling like a little manic that day. Yeah, exactly. But it you're is a like put have it on. a good time. If you know, you can put this on 
French detected. Let's send this to English. Okay. Uh, listen, listen, please. Thank you. Shame on anyone who thinks wrong. Shame on anyone who thinks wrong. That's Oniswa Kimali Pence. Mali Pence. I don't know. Pence. Yeah, Mali Pence. I don't know. The rest of this is, who knows what he's trying to say here. I think he's just having fun. I love the way that guitar also comes up. Doo-doo. Yeah, uh, it has that quality of uh, sort of like an evil cuckoo clock, like Geppetto's right. uh, workshop shit. Just you know, you can have fun with this. I one, should folks. DJ this one. Um, yeah, <laughs> you should just DJ the whole record. <laughs> Not the whole record. I can't DJ <laughs> exactly. the whole record. <laughs> um, it's funny that this is the name of this record. Only a swap. Well, I, I don't know what he's up to with that. Maybe that it's a bunch of different scenarios that you might see in a newspaper. I guess. <laughs> sure. Let's go I, with that. I don't know. Um, well, let's scoot along because uh, the very next song is one of the greatest songs that he's ever written and recorded. I'm glad you think so. This song is so incredible. Riverbank. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it this one is kind of like which is it's like Hedda Gabler in a way. Sure, absolutely. It has something of that that thing that he does sometimes. And you know, this record is very caustic and aggressive, and I think that there there's times when it can be a, a if you're going to criticize it like a bit pummeling, it's a bit exhausting. And this song being the moment of respite from that mm-hmm. is really interesting because it, even within that, it's still a really weird song that is very mysterious and unclear. And yet it activates this emotional area that is like such a oasis on the record of like, and just on any record. I mean, this is just a great song. It's a perfect song. Yeah, it's it, it's I think made all the more impactful because yeah, this record is really up, right? It's a very uppers kind of record. You're just like racing from song to song. It's only thirty something minutes long, nine songs uh, from front to back, and you don't really get the moment the moment to catch your breath on any of these songs uh, until you reach Riverbank here towards the end, and just like from the first like two three seconds, just that tinkling little like minor key piano melody um you know you can you can tell that this is there's going to be something going on here and then it's just you're exactly right it, it does do the same kind of thing that head of gabler does where it starts off slowly has these weird you know remote kind of lyrics that you're not exactly sure what he's talking about um you know literally speaking but i think you know this is the magic of music the, the way the way he enunciates the way that you catch some of these phrases the way they sound against this beautiful soundscape behind them. It's just like you get everything you need to based on listening to it. Yeah. I think it's a great example of the song being such a stirring, emotional piece of music through rock music that it, um, it, it holds these lyrics that are like so hard to parse, but you kind of feel like, you know, I, I think everyone who listens to this probably has, images that come to their mind as they're listening to it uh they're probably not the same ones right but 
something about the lyrics, even though they don't make sense in a logical way, they they encourage and inspire that, I think. And the the music is just so evocative that like it can it can hold a lyric like and cold people getting colder like babysitters in their graves satisfying heretic vicars heretic vicars yeah passing on send them running on ahead picking up the wendy trash instead like foul mouth people open heart surgery creatures crawling back inside of you yeah who knows but the way that he delivers it yes. is just and then Ugh. the way that it takes off from there um, with that mm-hmm, the sort mm-hmm. of like bell tolling keys or, um, and the drumming spread out widescreen. I I can listen to the song on repeat. I have been lately. It's it's an extraordinary song, and I wish it was longer. And it's like seven minutes on. Yeah, and it feels long. I think um, coming on this record, which is mostly made up of these other you know shorty songs uh, for the most part. The last lines are, I think that there is something in the lyrics about like like women coming to a port and trying to you know wondering if their husband survived the journey on the on the ship yeah those poor unfortunate widows standing waiting for their sailor boys old madam new yes madam new yes madam new madam nhu nhu yeah madam and new. then madam yes, madam new K-N-E. yeah it's i feel like maybe he's my read of it i guess is just that it's about those people it's about walking around a port. I think that he said, introducing it once on a live recording, that it's about a port, and he's like, Liverpool comes to mind. Right. But uh, I think it's about things like that, like women, you know, women coming to fi- the doomed trip down to the wharf to find out that the, your beloved didn't make it through the journey. And then I think that he's thinking about those women and their long gone and just like the history of a port and of the so how so much happens at a a port that it's kind of a it is you know a portal it is sort of a a a place where life and death converge something like that Safety first 
for safety last I wish I could have held those poor unfortunate widows standing waiting for their sale of boys the last lines is support something of that feeling anyway which is all along the riverbank nobody will ever know what fools and their monies sailors and their honeys got stung one evening there because the stones round their necks are the stones on the riverbank it's kind of like this uh suggestion of gravestones or of monuments of to the dead or something, right? Yeah, I'm not even terribly. I'm take, I'm like, reaching pretty far. <laughs> like, but no, no, no. I, I think that all makes sense. I, 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 I've never listening to a song like I've never sought to literalize it and try to like figure out exactly what what the hell you know he's trying to put across, like what story he's attempting to tell because. Just the the sensation, I think, is enough for me. And the way, because, I mean, there are these weird lyrics to it, but I think it is only like a three, I think it's like three verses, basically, um, four verses. Uh, And it's it's a long song, and it's, it's, I think, to me, it's really about the way that it builds and his delivery on it, the same way that Hedda Gabler does, Mm -hmm. where it is a long song that builds and builds, and it's just got these very basic, simple lyrics, but by the end of it, you're kind of overwhelmed, even though, you know, you might not know exactly what's going on there. It's, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible song and just sort of totally on its own on this record. And really, you know, I, I think in this time period in general, you get a little bit of this, I think on, on music for new society yeah, in a very well, different well, way. Well, I think you do on, if you were still around and, and some certain others. This is just much, uh, it's a much more lush kind of sound than music for new society, um, but, which achieves yeah. some of the same feelings in a very, you know, sharp and uh, startling kind but of fashion. If, this if is it's just, lush, this is pretty... anything's lush compared to that. I would say, that, well, that's what, yeah. Cause this song as yes, it feels like, um, I, I wouldn't call it lush, but I know what you mean. It's, it has a kind of fullness to it, but 
it does feel it is really skeletal in a way or it has like a few elements that are all just like cranked to 11 and all of those elements work really well to create this sense of drama and import it's really um yeah, it, feels, it feels big. Oh, yeah. Even though it, it might only be at yeah, is especially you know, because a it couple does, instruments. That uh, that's something I feel more and more these days. Like, if you're that, t- if you're like a talent of a certain level, it's better not to go for like the lush, sat like hypersaturated production. And I think he understood that in this moment. You know, totally, totally. It's um. No, no, it's just it's really rewarding, I think, and exciting to hear a song like this come from him at this moment in time, after having spent so much time with him cutting chickens' heads off and screaming the n-word on other songs on this record, because uh, he can just he can pull this out, you know, whenever he wants, basically. Um, it's good. It's good. It's great. It's beautiful. One of the greats. Riverbank. Agreed. Next we got kind of just the ninth song on the record type vibe. The eighth and the ninth song yeah. on the record, yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap it with uh, Russian Roulette really and Magic and Lies. Russian Roulette. Really. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is kind sort of, the, of just a rock um, song. Sudden death of this record. There's some fun some fun lines in here. You know, he's he's back to Japan on this one. We know we know John has a fascination with the Far East, bamboo floor and the sashimi and all that. Japan, right. Japan, Japan, we love you. They carve you like a California turkey. I don't know what that <laughs> fucking means. <laughs> Feed to hungry, missile sucking, the moist vagina oh, of the world. Really? Yeah. So he's. Uh, oh, it's you know. a, so it's Russian roulette. Like this is also like sabotage shit. Yeah. He's like talking uh, about. He's making like a psychosexual song about the. Cold War. He's going on and on about black communist surgeons at one point also towards the end. Elect black communist surgeons in case you need them. Elect communist surgeons. Elect black communist surgeons. Elect black communist surgeons today in case you need, like, I don't don't know what he's fucking talking about. John Cash should just, (laughs) you know, there's certain things you... I think John was maybe uh, doing doing a little too much notes candy at this moment in time with some of these some of these tracks. Behind the sanitary napkin beauty that oozes out of each and every song, he harnesses the blood bank soul to package creatures that belong. Well, you know, I mean, everything that he does in this is completely fucking insane. So I, I, nothing is uh, out of 
range for him here. I think that's kind of how it feels. It's just like this song is like uh is like so like every day around like four o'clock when I get done with work, my dog gets really excited because like that's when we take her out and she goes to the dog park and she like goes crazy and runs with dogs and, you know, plays with them and wrestles and rolls around in the mud and gets crazy. And she does that for about 30, 45 minutes a day. Then she comes home, she eats, she you know goes to sleep on the bed and stuff. I feel like this is that moment on this record for John. Like he just needs 30 or 45 minutes of like rolling around in the mud and, you know, jawing He's, at other you're dogs. You're saying that John Kale has the zoomies. <laughs> exactly. And then he has to And we to just like, gotta let him get it he's out. He's gotta do some, su- he's gotta pull some shit. Where he's yeah. like, does a song about like the Russian missiles fucking the moist vagina of the United States or whatever. That's right. And like, and, and like he just starts talking about like the, the N-word not quite he does no he literally does get the zoomies i think that's what wilson (laughs) julia is that he does he's screaming all the time that's right he went and then there's times when he's calmed down and he does riverbank but john kale gets the zoomies john kale gets the zoomies i'm glad we figured it out here uh and then the record ends nine song record love a nine song record with magic Magic and and Lies. lies F.A.O. Schwartz. Do, 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 do. Yeah. It's got the melody of like a fucking like Pizza Hut commercial from 1992 or something. On the other hand, it, it sounds a little bit like the beginning of uh, Jack the Ripper. It does kind of sound like Jack the Ripper. It's That's that right. like kind of totally, uh, yeah. like candy corn fucking nutcracker thing that he does sometimes right like acid acid green like too bright but in an ugly kind of way tone to it yeah he's kind of just doing like it's like like christmas candy gingerbread house music (laughs) but then it goes pretty off the rails from there yeah then the drums come up it's got this kind of martial tone to it once again Again, it gets a little heavier yeah it's a fun song. I got it. So it's a yeah. weird one to end the record on. I think. Why didn't he um, end it with Riverbank? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, respect it, you know, for not. I guess. I mean, think about think about Fear, right? Which has fucking what's the last song on Fear? Uh, Mo Mama Scuba. Yeah. Right, which is just like a random ass song sure. to end that record that's so perfect and starts <laughs> so perfectly with Fear. It's something similar. Well, here. yeah, I think that. Magic and Lies is a more appropriate closer to this record and what this record is like. Right. And sometimes maybe that's the way that you should think of the end of a record. It's like, there's maybe one that's more dramatic, but is it really the one that feels like it was the truest to the spirit of that record? Ultimately, 
Mo Mama Scuba is sort of this like random playful number. And I think that's at the heart of fear is the attitude of being kind of mischievous. Sure. And then with this one, Magic and Lies. Yeah, I mean, it, Dead or Alive, Magic and Lies. They kind of right. work nicely. Together. Yeah, that's fair. Look at that young man with the tired eyes. I do like the ending, just the drums, raw. Yeah, yeah, the drums sound amazing on this record. Just like the front to back is kind of odd sometimes, but the drums themselves sound good. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's a weird record. I think at the end of the day, because oh, like yes. he's he clearly is like trying to be a little bit more commercial is and like he? work within this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, compared to sabotage, you know, he, <laughs> know. there isn't a picture of a nuclear bomb detonating on the cover of this record. So if only for that, he's, he's moving uh slightly more think, towards, I don't know. He's just fucking around. He's doing, I, I think it's a very cool record. Um, I, I agree. I, this honestly, it has a lot of walking on locust energy to me where it's just like this one-off random record filled with a bunch of great songs that just like get stuck in your head for some reason. It just seems like it's, this shouldn't exist, this album. Like really? <laughs> so, like there was a time when they could put, they just put money, they put money. Someone paid thousands of dollars for John Cale to go into a studio in New York City and shout the N word into my and do like a cover Streets of Rage, like just. Uh, it was in New York City. Right? Yeah. yeah. This is he's in uh, he's in his New York phase at this point. It's great stuff. Three stars. Three stars. Joe from. Here.